name is Will McHenry, uh, and joining us today on this Ponars Eurasia podcast is Igor Lukvienko, an assistant professor of political science at Wellesley College. Igor, thank you so much for joining me for this Ponars Eurasia podcast. You're welcome. What should we know about Russia's integration into the global financial markets? I think there's a couple of things that uh, I think maybe aren't properly appreciated. One is that Russia today is um, really more integrated in the global economy, um, but particularly in the, into the global financial markets that really at any point um, in the last 100 years. Um, and in terms of the economic transformation and economic reforms that happened in Russia over the last 30 years, it really is um, one of the big, quote, successes um, of, of the transition. Um, and another thing, sort of the reason for the for the quotation marks is that it it appears that this kind of uh, oligarchic capitalism, authoritarianism that we see today in Russia, uh, state domination over, over the economy, it's quite compatible with open financial borders and uh, this high degree of uh, financial internationalization. And that, in recent years especially, has presented a number of uh, policy questions and policy dilemmas in the West. To follow up on that, how did Russia come to be so financially open? So I am now finishing a book that uh, aims to kind of answer that question broadly. But what I see is that Russia globalized in these spurts, um, going back to the early 1990s, really. Uh, uh, but the process was was very much a, a consequence of uh, domestic. Um, reconfiguration of, of property uh, control rights. And so this, the 15-year period between 1992 and 2006 or so is this period in which Russia underwent several um, episodes of, kind of open struggles for, for property control and a major redivision of, of, um, of property rights. And each, each of those episodes, I argue, had a lot to do with uh, successive um, policy reforms and and, and relaxation of uh, controls over movement of capital. Um, But what is um, interesting and surprising is that Russia has been financially open since since 2006, and and in fact, uh, despite these external crises, the global financial crisis, the sanctions, the the, the fall of the Crimea annexation, and everything that's happened over the last few years, uh, overall, uh, the Russian government has maintained its commitment to open financial borders, which is interesting and surprising. Great. Finally, what should American policymakers understand about Russia's entanglement with these uh, global financial markets you mentioned? So I think it's not surprising that the kind of key lever of uh, pressure uh, against uh, Russia's sort of this newly aggressive Russian foreign policy is is more and more found sort of not in the Pentagon but in the Treasury Department. And in fact, we see the Treasury Department really directing being this important um, kind of vehicle or weapon in the in in trying to kind of curtail uh, Russia's. Um, aggressiveness or to pursue particular American foreign policy interests vis-a-vis Russia. I think the sanctions policies, and I th- initially I would say they were kind of, in my opinion, they're rather um, poorly thought out or, or reactionary in many ways. Uh, my, my research suggests that in the sense by putting pressure on the oligarchs, 
um, it probably in the short term actually gives a great, it sort of tilts the balance of power uh, towards the state, towards the Kremlin, more so than maybe Western policymakers uh, believe. I think this, the this theory that let's put the pressure on the oligarchs, they'll put the pressure on Putin, and they'll do what, uh, you know, he'll re reverse course or changes um, policies, I think that's probably erroneous. But at the same time, it's true that over the long term, the allure of, of Western financial system, of its legal commercial system, will continue to be very strong for Russian oligarchs and from economic actors from all over the world in places where property rights are insecure. And so it actually presents this opportunity to introduce reforms uh, in the West, in Europe, and in, in the United States to uh, not to sort of uh, shed some light on the practices of, of various foreign economic entities that uh, have come to use, uh, you know, American, British, European legal financial infrastructure to advance their goals. And so it, it's interesting in the way that uh, the battle against kleptocracy could be successfully fought in, in Washington, D.C., for example. So that's, yeah. that's hopeful. Yeah. Well, fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. You're very welcome.